Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome along to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. I am Valerie Wheeler and I'm with you until 7 p.m. What a busy show coming up tonight. First up is John Fogarty of the Irish Examiner on the current happenings in the G and the results of the GPA survey as they ask the players are they happy to return to inter-county action? Former senior hurling captain of Waterford, Noel Connors, on life after being forced to retire, being a judge for Electric Ireland Minor All-Stars. Let's hope he has a cork, few cork on them. Uh, we have the preview of the Munster Championship action between Cork and Waterford also. Sanita Puspore is on with us after her amazing win last weekend. Ginny Rogers, player welfare manager of the GPA. Rory is going to fill us all in from Parky Cuevas, Cork and Alliance League action against Louth. And Column is down at Turner's Cross as Cork City are in desperate need of some points. You can get in touch with the show at the Big Red Bench on Twitter. All that and more on the Big Red Bench and Cork's Red FM. Welcome along to the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. You can get in touch on 086 106 or you can tweet us at the Big Red Bench on Twitter. Um, let's get down to some um, news, sporting news action across the southwest, of course, across Cork. Uh, starting with GA action, the Cork Miners are into the Monster semi-final after beating Clare in their opening game earlier on today. An impressive and comfortable win for the Rebels as it finished 1-24-2-13. We had the Alliance League action lee side today as Cork welcomed Lau- out to Parky Cueve. Cork completely dominant today as they finished 519 to 16 points and Loud finished with 12 men. Um, Cork are promoted to Division 2 um, today, which was great. Rory's at uh, Parky Cueve and we'll have a quick chat with him in just a few minutes to hear how the game went. In the Premier League, Everton and Liverpool played out a dramatic draw in the Merseyside Derby of the season. The early game finished 2 all. Goals from Sadio Mane and Mo Salah for the Regs and Michael Caine and Calvert-Lewin hitting the net for Everton. Another draw in the second game today as Chelsea and Southampton finished 3 all. Underway since 5.30, Man City boss Pep Guardiola host former assistant Mikel Arteta and his Arsenal team. That was on at half five and the current score there is no score. What else am I looking at? And at 8 o'clock, Man City, Manchester United would look to bounce back from heavy defeat to Tottenham when they travel to Newcastle. Also, Cork City hosts Waterford in the SSE Artricity League Premier Division this evening. Kickoff was at 5pm at Turner's Cross. And Colin Healy's side are in desperate need of some points. Colin O'Sullivan is live from Turner's Cross and tweeting live action. Uh, currently no score. We'll check in with Colin as well throughout the show. This week, the GA Championship is hanging in by a thread uh, due to ongoing rise in COVID cases across the country. To talk us through some of the GA happenings this week is John Fogarty. He is the GA correspondent with the Irish Examiner. John, welcome to the Big Red Bench. Thanks, Valerie. John, it has been a stressful week for all involved in the GA and I suppose the speculation of players not wanting to play was finally sorted yesterday as the GA decided to step GPA stepped in in the survey with over 1,695 players taking it. Taking it. Well, we talked through some of the results of that so the majority of the players want the season to go ahead, John, which is great news. It is, Valerie, and I think it was a rubber stamping uh, exercise. They've, GPA have received a lot of criticism for doing it so close to the start of the championship, but they wanted to get, especially with the, the rise in COVID cases across the, the island over the last week and yeah, last two weeks, uh, really, it, it's, it's, they've grown incredibly that they were, they wanted um, as accurate um, a feeling and opinion from the, the players as possible. Um, now, obviously, they want more um, safeguards in place, which I think is, is only right. The GPA, I should say the GA, Valerie, have put in a lot of safeguards themselves and protocols, but even Michael Dignan, who wouldn't have been a fan of the GPA um, during the week, was saying that he felt that the protocols um, that had been advised to them from the GA weren't strong enough, and he took it about redrawing him uh, himself along with the medics in Offaly. So um, I don't think it's any harm. This is an endorsement of the championship going ahead absolutely. Okay, yes, 24% don't want to go ahead, but I would argue, Valerie, uh, some of those um, players, uh, with the greatest of respect to them, don't have a lot to play for. Um, they're either facing relegation or have a threat of relegation or, um, you know, are looking, are, are, are you know, from the lower divisions in football and are 
seeing who they have been lined up against in the first round of the provincial championships and don't fancy their chances and basically don't see the, the point in going ahead with it. So um, those things, you, you know, you I'm only ex- trying to extrapolate from those figures. But uh, yeah, it was an endorsement and we're going ahead uh, so fast, so good, Valerie. But as you know yourself, it's so uncertain over the next while. Yeah, I know you mentioned that maybe players that are facing relegation would like to sit this out, but I, I know they said they wanted to be respected if they did want to sit out. You know, in, if it was the case here in Cork, John, that Patrick Horgan or a high-profile player like Seamus Harnley didn't want to play, you and I both know, John, that online is such a tough place and people will voice their opinions on how disgraceful it is they mightn't play for their county. That's it. And I think, I think, Valerie, the, the fact that John Heslin during the week stressed how difficult he's finding this situation. I think people, uh, you know, people will gravitate towards that and will appreciate it. Um, players, not only are they amateur, we forget that they're human at time. at times, Valerie, and that has to be appreciated over the next while, regardless of whether you're the best hurler in Cork or, you know, you're playing um, Nicky Rackard or Laurie Marr hurling um, and you don't want to play, you have to be uh, appreciated. You have to be, you know, your European, if you do, you know, you do not want to bring back a COVID case to your family um, if you're living with your parents or you don't want to bring it back to your, your, your partner or what have you, uh, or your siblings. So that obviously has to be appreciated. But at the same time, there is an endorsement here. I think, Players have been looking forward to this for a hell of a long time. They know how much it means to themselves. They know how much it means to supporters at home. Like every game this weekend in the Alliance Leagues, um, the under-20 semi-finals, the football, um, all of these games are going to be either streamed or shown live. They're being done so because people want them. There is an appetite, there's an appeal out there for these games to be watched. Um, players, obviously, uh, we don't want to see them as gladiators. We don't want to... I see them being put at risk, Valerie, but at the same time, there has yet to be a case proven where a player has contracted the disease from playing the actual playing of the game. Now, obviously, the whole situation around it has to be controlled and being in, in long buses like Loud traveling to play Cork, um, that's a long, but I believe they're taking two buses, but it's, it's, that's a hell of a long time to be spending with other people in the, in the same indoor area. And, you know, we probably should have looked at neutral venues. It was called for by a number of county chairpersons last week. The likes of Kerry were looking for it. The likes of Loud, uh, the likes of Leash were calling for it last week. Um, it was turned down. Um, because the argument was, well, listen, we've had home and away. It would be wrong for the integrity of the competition to stop that now. But just what value is there, in, Valerie, at the moment in a home and, uh, advantage? There is no value in it at all. You know, um, that even the idea should Limerick be clear uh, next weekend and, and Limerick play tip. You, is there a huge value in bringing Limerick and Tip to, to Cork? You know, is that too difficult a, a trip for, for the pair of them as much as, you know, the, the, the roles are relatively good? Um, it's, it's still putting a lot of guys in the same environments. Obviously, I would imagine Limerick, if they do win that game and, and, and Tip will travel themselves down the road, um, I won't share it, uh, a bus, but you know, not everybody can do that. And obviously, we know today that Kerry are traveling uh, in a convoy, a COVID con- convoy, for want of a better expression, up to to Manning, up to Inneskeen for that game. And um, you know that you know there are logistical issues about that as well. But the game itself, Valerie, the game itself is all but safe, and that's what appeals to players at the moment, and that's why so many of them are very keen to take part. What happens, John, if we move to level five? Because last week, I know that everyone was saying level five championship was safe. And this week, Tawn Shelley of Radcliffe was like, no, it's not safe. And I don't know, do the players themselves want to take part if it does go to level five? I think you're spot on, Valerie, there. It's my understanding anyway from the GPA uh, National Executive Committee last night. They were more or less given a mandate from the inter-county players to make any future decisions as regards to participation in the championship. And my understanding is, yeah, happy to play level four, which imagine things are going to move in the 26 counties to level four shortly enough or a, a variation of level four. Um, but level five is a red line issue for them. Now, we heard last week that Tony Holland has made an exception for elite sport, uh, elite sport horse racing and inter-county, senior inter-county championship. So that would basically mean the under-20s and the under-17s under minors would have to fall by the wayside, unfortunately. But he has made an exception, or Enfield have made an exception. 
for um, a senior in the county championship. Now, that was contradicted later in the week by the Tanisha Leo Varadkar, and I think that was backed up as well by the Minister um, uh, Michael McGrath. So, there is an issue there. Um, you know, I, from my understanding as well, the GA were not very happy with what Leo Varadkar said about level five. And um, they had been, you know, they, they, when Tony Holland made the exception for the GA um, season, uh, uh, inter-county season at senior level, um, at level five, they were, they were really imbued by that. They were really, um, they, that gave them more encouragement that the championship would take part, uh, take place regardless of what happens. But now, um, cold water has been poured on that by the ministers and it remains to be seen exactly what happens, especially with the GPA now suggesting that they won't, um, the NEC now won't go, uh, won't be, won't endorse the, the playing of inter-county games at level five. Well, hopefully it won't come to that because I know a lot of people for, I suppose, mental health reasons and sitting at home and have something to do and watching the weekends will, I'm sure, certainly brighten up our lives in these such um, uncertain times, John. But I think sometimes I myself feel quite selfish in wanting it to go ahead. I don't know. Mm. I just, like... Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know very, and obviously not a, we're at the cold face of covering it, but it's been a lonely, as you know yourself, it's been a lonely gig without crowds over the last while, and you do feel a little bit of a fraud at times. You know, we're in a very privileged position at the same time we have to, like I'm traveling tomorrow and I have to be very careful now, obviously, and make sure I have all the, all the gear just to, to protect other people as much as myself and to make sure that there is no, um, especially with a family, you know, you have, to, you don't want to be bringing anything back. But at the same time, I'm getting phone calls and text messages every day from supporters, not just players. You would get them as well, no doubt, Valerie, that asking us, you know, what are the chances? Um, I think people are tired now of the will they, won't they? They just want it nipped in the bud, whether we have a championship or not. Just call it now and, and, let, uh, and let us move on and let us digest it. Let, let us try and deal with it. If there is no championship, let us look forward and be excited. If there is a championship, like I was on a Zoom call with John Kiley, the Limerick senior hurling manager during the weekend. I think he was asked two questions about the Clare game. Um, about tactics or about, you know, what he expects from Clare. Everything else was about, yeah, uh, you know, safety. It was about injuries, obviously, but it was about safety, how he feels and, um, the yellow Schlitter, of course. The, you know, John, like myself, not that I would compare myself to John Kiley, but I would have been very positive like John Kiley at the start very close to the start of the pandemic that there would be a championship and that there should be a championship for the reasons that you outlined there Valerie the mental health um, giving people something to look forward to but also we've no reference points anymore we're being told that Halloween is not going to be the same listen we're, we're of an age now where that really doesn't matter um, but it you know you know, Christmas is our only reference point at the moment and all Ireland would give us something to look forward to 50 days for the football championship 49 days for the hurling championship that's all it will take it is being played over a blitz almost tournament like format it is something that I know so many people will look forward to or Cork to win the, the, the All-Ireland and to end that famine it's still going to be an All-Ireland I wrote a piece during the week about it that an All-Ireland and I think Pat Spillane backed it up as well uh, later in the week when he said there's nothing on any of his medals that says he only played three games which he would have uh, to, to win an All-Ireland um, there's no asterisks on these things there's no asterisks on this All-Ireland as far as I'm concerned if it takes place um, if Cork win it, whoever wins it, they will be uh, justified winners in a, an extraordinary year. It's an extraordinary All Ireland, but it's still an All Ireland. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm sure, and I hope, and along with everyone else, that we all get through it safely, and our players get through it safely, going out there for our entertainment benefit. And John, thank you so much for joining us on the Big Red Bench this week. You're welcome, Phil. John Fogarty of the Irish Examiner chatting to me um, this morning actually but we had league action Lee side today for the Cork footballers they were in flying form 5.19 to 16 points Rory great game today in Parky Cueve Yeah it wasn't a bad old game I suppose considering I suppose it was Cork's first game in 230 days since they last played Derry in the league um, it was a, a worthwhile performance I suppose I mean like Ron McCarthy saw a lot of players he, he emptied his bench a little bit towards the end uh, there's some uh, good play um, in particularly in the first half they got some excellent scores in the first half and Laos started like a train they got two points in the first two minutes and you're thinking oh what's going to happen here and then just Cork just took over took 22 minutes after that for 
are uh, allowed to register their next score. But it was always going to be a big win, I suppose, for mm. Cork. And I suppose the scoreline saw that out in the end, uh, 5.19 to 16 points in favour of the Rebels. Uh, Lowe's finishing the game with 12 points as well today, Valerie. They had three players sent off. So when it's not your day, it's just not your day, is it? No, and they have a long trek home and two buses, Rory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like it's it was such a weird experience covering the game today in Parky Cueve. Everyone in the press area had masks on. We're all socially distant. I mean, like there's a bottle of hand sanitizer at the end of every row. Um, it's just weird, and you, you see the 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 loud lads getting unchanged and they are getting dressed in the uh, the tunnel where we're heading down to do the interviews afterwards. It was just a, a weird experience, obviously a completely obel, almost a completely empty parky queue, complete absence of fans today. It was just a strange experience all around and a long trip for them. Um, after up, up to load, as you mentioned, they can't even have showers because they can't even use the dressing rooms. It's a, a strange situation we're living in in, the, in this COVID time, but it's good to, to have a game. A lot of chatter around the press box said this could be the last weekend of games considering the, the rise in covid 19 cases uh, and uh, sporting fixtures being pulled and we saw today a couple of withdrawals as well from uh, and uh, postponements in the National League uh, and in, in fact in every other sport so it's it's um, I suppose worrying times but look good to see a game in Parky Creek today you, you kind of realise as a journalist covering a game in a situation like this just how privileged you are to mm. be there uh, and to be watching live sport in an arena uh, as fantastic as Parky Creek so definitely very lucky for me to be here today um, but um, it's it, it's certainly Certainly a strange experience covering a game like that in COVID-19 times. Thanks, Emil, Rory. We're going to get some reaction towards the end of the show on that game as well. So that was Rory. Cork City are also in action today. We have Colm O'Sullivan. He is down in Turner's Cross. Colm, the latest in here in Turner's Cross. What's going on? Yeah, Valerie, well, we're into the second half here, about 10 minutes into the second half at Turner's Cross, and it is still Cork City nil and Waterford nil. Uh, Waterford on the attack here now again, and they have been on the attack for the last few minutes, and they've definitely started the second half, the brighter team. But Cork City did have a very promising first half, some good chances for City. City's best chance probably coming from Dylan McGlade after 11 minutes in the first half. He played a lovely little ball through to Deshaun Dolling up front. Dolling played it back to McGlade in the box, and McGlade just tried to place it to the right-hand side of the keeper, but it went straight at Murphy in the uh, Waterford goal. Waterford uh, came into the game towards the end of the first half, had a few chances themselves. The Cork City had looked lively, certainly in the first half, Cork City looked very lively, and they looked like a much better team than what we've seen all season, and Colin Healy has definitely changed things up and instilled maybe a new sense of belief in the players and so on. So hopefully they can get a vital three points here today. But as I say, into the second half, um, not many chances to record in the second half here so far. One shot really for Cork City, a long-range effort from Deshaun Dowling, which was easily saved by uh, Murphy in the Waterford goal. A couple of changes just now as well. Keen Bargery has come on for Corey Galvin, Cork City going slightly more attacking with Bargery up front there. And um, Waterford also bringing on a striker with Darren Murphy, the former Irish international, just coming on for Waterford a few minutes ago as well. So um, into the second half here, it is Cork City nil, Waterford nil. City looking lively, Garrett Marson playing well for City, McGlade, Dylan McGlade is doing quite well for City, but it remains scoreless here, Valerie. Great, that was that was very positive, I think, from Colm coming from um, Turner's Cross. I don't know, I was expecting that much positivity, but we'll catch up with Colm towards the end of the show, see how they're getting on. We're going to turn our attention to some rowing. During the week, I had a lovely opportunity to chat to rowing champion Sunita Prospore on Zoom. Let's take a listen to this. We're coming into the last 50 metres, Pushpure out in front. She's going to take the gold medal. Lubning looking good for silver. And Kiridu is pushed ahead and is now in, in bronze medal position. It's the last few strokes here. Sanita Pushpure is going to take the gold medal ahead of Austria's Lubning for silver. And look at this, the young athlete from Greece. Aneta Kiridu takes the bronze ahead of Udby Eriksson. Resigned to fourth and then fifth place Janine Malin ahead of sixth place Pia Greiten for Germany. What a performance from the double world and now double European champion, Sanita Pushpure. Welcome to the bench. It is Sanita Pushpure. First of all, Sanita, congratulations. This week has been an amazing week for you. Thanks very much and thanks for having me. Have you had a chance to sit down and take a break and um, cherish that gold medal? Well, yes, I've been sitting down for the last three days in my self-isolation, so <laughs> lots of time to reflect. And I presume that everyone is treating you like an absolute queen at home, dropping you off food and beverages and treating you like royalty? Well, it's more like I, I demand what I want for tomorrow and then I have to bring it because they all at work and in school. So <laughs> it's kind of, I have to think ahead. Yeah, no fair play to you. You did plan on being active today, but I know you're going to take off on a hike tomorrow. Do you always like to remain active? Um. 
Yeah, I suppose it's kind of in the blood, I think. Uh, once you're sitting inside for a couple of days, you get that cabin fever feel and you want to get out in fresh air and do something. And yeah, I suppose the body misses that physical activity as well. Mm. I mean, Sunita, before you headed off to compete, this year has been so difficult for a lot of people, including yourself. Um, not being able to train must have been difficult. Uh, yes, it, it's been very strange here in terms of training and preparation for everything. Like since we got into the lockdown, it's been like someone's found it really, really hard. And uh, like the, the being lonely, doing all the sessions alone and uh, trying to push yourself as, as hard as you can, but not having Olympics at the end of it was quite challenging. Um, so luckily we had our, not all of us unfortunately, but some of us had three-week holiday during summer uh, in July and August, so that was quite a welcoming break. And then obviously the preparation for this regatta was only six, seven weeks, so it was kind of unknown what kind of form we'll be in. So yeah, considering all that, I'm quite delighted with the result to be honest. Yeah, and rightly so. I mean, six and seven weeks is not a long time to prepare, and especially probably when you didn't feel the motivation was there. Uh, yes, it was a bit strange because um, I had days when I didn't want to go and compete because I didn't know what kind of form I'll be in and how much fitness can I get in six, seven weeks of training. But uh, I suppose we had to trust the program again, and um, we didn't even train to, like, as hard as we usually would during the winter because the training was mixed a little bit with a thought of like, if we're racing, we need to do it a little bit differently. And the coaches did a really good job by providing us with the best program for, for that time. And, and it worked. So I'm quite delighted. And the whole team proved that it was the right, right program to do because everybody did so well. Yeah, no, and I think you probably, there was times when you couldn't head out in the water and you probably had to use something like the rowing machine in the gym. I mean, they're very, very different, Sunita. Yes, like the weather wasn't great since we started training. We had maybe a couple really nice days, but in general, we have to battle through the wind, the rain and and the waves. So it's, yeah, it's very challenging at times, but we're doing our best and we were lucky enough to go on a training camp in Italy as well. So that was really nice because we got a bit of a sunshine and uh, quite consistently good water as well. And that was a really good boost to, to the fitness and to even to improve like technically was really good to go there. Yeah, and I know that the rowing machine in the gym is completely and utterly not similar to the boat because I suppose the, the rowing moves underneath you and whereas you're kind of stuck in one spot in the rowing machine. Yeah, it's like it does it does the job in terms of fitness, but at the same time if you want to be faster you have to roll technically really well as well. And that's something you can try to improve in the rowing machine, but it won't be the same because the feel on the board is completely different. So yeah, I mean when we couldn't get out we did uh, all the work on bikes or rowing machines and just to get that physiological effect but uh yeah, sometimes it's it's quite sad when you want to be on the water, but the weather's not letting you do it. And I know you mentioned that all of you are on the same program, but clearly it was the right one for you because a lot of your Irish colleagues did so well together and you were able to watch them compete and do well as well. Yeah, they were all racing on the final day. They were racing before me, so it was kind of very encouraging that uh, they were getting medals left, right and centre. And I was like, OK, so I've done the same program. I should be OK, too. But at the same time, it's one thing to think about it, but the other one is go and execute your race. Um, yeah, they definitely gave me confidence going into that final. I did read somewhere that you actually felt the race went very quick for you, that you were probably doing so well that you were like, wow, that was very quick. Yeah, once you get into the right zone in your mind, the race actually moves really fast because you get from one checkpoint to another one and then I had a few calls in the middle for myself and uh, yeah it feels like if you stay in the race all the time and don't kind of wander off of your in your thoughts it goes very fast the right. girls at four were saying the same it just was it was over in a flash and uh, yeah it's quite exciting when that happens because yeah, I've had some really long races too so <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, the ones where you're probably not leading from the front. You're like, oh no, yes. this is taking forever. Yeah, they're the longest ones, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> You did. Look, it's been a great few years for you here. I know that before you moved here um, from Latvia, you back in 2006, you had been into rowing. But when you moved here, you kind of finished up and you hadn't really the love for it anymore until you fell pregnant. And you were like, OK, I need to go back and do this. Uh, yeah, the plan was kind of to do normal life at, at that point and stop playing with the sport. But it turned out a little differently. Uh, we were kind of just on our way to the zoo and we wandered off the main road and ended up in Northern Bridge. That's where all the rowing's going on in, in Dublin. And that was it. Yeah, that was the start of the rowing career in Ireland. And I mean, like something that by, you By this turn. <laughs> I know, by a wrong turn and you heading to the yeah. zoo. <laughs> I mean, something that you'd given up and now look what you've achieved since you've actually taken it back up, Sunita. It's absolutely amazing. It is quite good, yeah, like just to even remember where we started, but at the same time it's been such a rocky road. It, it's never been plain sailing. Like there's been so many ups and downs and so many sacrifices and everything made. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. How did you go from enjoying it as maybe a hobby and just taking part to actually competing at the top level and being such a competitive person? Uh, well, it it was pretty fast transition because I'm so competitive myself that once I got in the water, I just wanted to do better all the time. <laughs> and uh, then I started to do some local domestic races and I was winning few and I wasn't even fit. So I just wanted to win more and I wanted to get fitter. And uh, yeah, by the beginning of that summer, when I started, I knew I wanted to row internationally again at some stage. And that was the goal from there. And uh I was lucky enough to get all the right support, obviously, on the way, because without that, I probably wouldn't have gotten anywhere. So it was yeah. my coaches and friends and, and family, of course. You mentioned your family there. I mean, juggling family life as well as being at the top of your game isn't easy. Yeah, it was tricky at times, but we managed somehow. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was hard at times when we had no family. We have no family here, uh, anyone really, and... It was kind of, we had no choice. We had to manage it ourselves. And we couldn't afford to pay any babysitters as well because we didn't have any extra money coming in. And so it was, yeah, switching at the door, say hello, goodbye, and switching posts. One's minding kids, the other one's training or working and so on. So it's, yeah, but I suppose it makes it all more worthwhile after all those struggles that, at least there's a few medals in a No, yeah, locker. exactly. And, I, you know, it's obviously extremely hard work, but it, it did pay off. But do you miss home sometimes, Sunita, or is this home now to you? Uh, yeah, like, I mean, this is home for us now. I feel as home here as I would feel if I go home home, you know. Yeah. And I would actually feel more home here because we do have a place, we have things to do here, and, and kids, kids are born, born and bred in Ireland, and that's all they know. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of hard to pick which is, which home is more home <laughs> at the moment. Uh, but I suppose you do miss visiting parents just out of the blue, you know, just rolling up to the house for a nice dinner. And, uh, like, it's, it's friends and relatives that you more, miss more than anything else. Of course, and... I know that you've had such an amazing year for someone that, you know, only trained seven weeks. Anita, I can't imagine what you're going to do in a few months if Tokyo <laughs> rolls around. And we hope to God that the Olympics is coming. But what is the goal for the Olympics this year? Well, we all kind of, we all want to go and win it, you know. But uh, the most important thing is to stay healthy and safe all the way there. Like if I... God forbid, touch the wood. Like if if you get that corona, you might. That's it. That might be the end of it. So, like, yeah, it's it's small steps now. It's staying safe, steering clear of coronavirus, and uh, like staying safe from injuries and everything. And and we should be good. We we'll yeah. do our best anyway. And whatever result is, it's going to be. But what it is, it is at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I think it would be an amazing um, finish for you, I suppose, as well, and the same as go there and get
get as successful as you can and we wish you the very best of luck and congratulations on all your achievements and thank you for joining me on the Big Red Bench. Thanks very much. Keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, I'll keep the fingers crossed that you're coming home with the gold. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll be great thank you Sanita Pushpore chatting to me during the week after her amazing achievement last week there has been a goal in the Premier League um, it is half time and Man City have scored by Raheem Sterling and Arsenal of course have no score so that is the latest from the league coming up we've reaction from Cork and Louth as Rory was there for us and Noel Connors Miss the show grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie <laughs> Red FM. Welcome back to the Big Red Bench with me, Valerie, with you until 7 o'clock this week at the launch of the Electric Ireland All-Ireland Minor Championship. I caught up with former minor and Cedar captain of Waterford, Noel Connors. We chatted about life after being forced to retire from the senior squad, being a judge for the minor All-Ireland All-Stars and hopefully we'll see a few Cork lads on it. How he sees Cork's opening Munster Championship game going between Cork and Waterford. Let's take a listen. Noel, welcome to the Big Red Bench. Thanks very much. I'll be long time no see. I know, yeah. It's been, it's been a while. You'd be fed up with these Zooms. I wonder how many Zoom chats have you had today already? Am I the last? Uh, no, I actually have another one at three. And I actually have a class on Zoom at like four fifteen as well. So I'm after being like hopping between like work and keeping everyone else satisfied. So yeah. Good, good. Well, I won't be keeping you to I won't be keeping you to four fifteen at all anyway. But look. No, it has been a mad few months and we try to tend not to mention the C word on the show, but since COVID, how have you been? Yeah, good. Uh, well, as well as, you know, can be expected. Uh, everything obviously has changed, like, and, you know, at a very macro level, like things from like work and obviously been able to like train, etc. But look, the main thing is like that everyone is kind of getting back to some bit of normality, well, as normal as it can be. Uh, but, you know, just trying to be as positive as, as everyone can be and, you know, enjoying, enjoying life, really. Yeah, well, look, it's been a tough few months for everybody and I'm sure yourself also, like, at the start of this year, you probably didn't plan on retiring. It probably wasn't your plan to retire. No, and look, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was kind of a bit of a shock. Uh, it was actually on this time last year. I got a phone call um, from Liam and... Yeah, it was kind of, I was actually at the Camogie County final. My cousin was playing the Camogie County final. Uh, so it was in at that. Um, for any of you that are probably aware, I don't really answer my phone. I'm very poor on the phone. But in the night times in particular, I just kind of put it away and my phone was ringing and Shalom was kind of saying, in the case your phone's ringing, you know, you better answer it. So I doubt, and it was actually, actually Liam, I, you know, it was my first conversation. Um, never actually spoke to Liam before. Um, uh, and he just kind of asked me if I was going to retire. And I just kind of said, geez, no, I said, why would I retire? And he just just said it straight out. He just said, look, you're not in our plans going forward for the year. Um, it's your decision on what you want to do. And obviously, I was a bit shocked. I was a bit taken back. Um, being, you know, captain, let's say, in 2019. Uh, I played for 11 years and missed two matches. And so it's not something that you, you consider. Perhaps if I was, you know, on the bench for the last maybe couple of years and, you know, not playing particularly well and not saying that I was playing, you know, great in 2019 or anything like that, but... Um, yeah, I was still making the team just a bit. And uh, yeah, so that came a bit of a shock and I kind of, you know, put it forward to him, uh, you know, that, you know, it was a bit of a shock and he said, look, our plan is to go with youth and that's what I'm going with. And that was kind of, that was kind of it really. It was kind of a short, brief uh, conversation, no more than probably five minutes, I'd say. I mean, was there support from you for you when you probably did have to retire? Like, was there many support system around you? I know you probably have family and friends, but did the GA support you in any way? Um, no, in fairness, the GBA were, were very good. You know, Paul Flynn rang me straight away and the, the guys in the office rang me and, and sent me messages, obviously saying that whatever was required over the coming weeks and months, that they'd be more than happy to, you know, row in. But look, do you know what? I was in the position where I was, you know, happy as in, you know, now I've an 18-month-old, you know, I'm engaged, I get married next year. Oh, I'll go, I'll go into plan without the C word is what you said. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm in a job that's, you know, quite enjoyable I find it incredibly enjoyable and, and you know as busy as you want it to be as busy as I mean you might never say never if new management came in the morning and give you the phone call I'm sure you wouldn't turn your back on it no look it's definitely something that I'd, I'd review and you know see how I am and see how things are going um, like I turned 30 there in May so I still think that I've you know a few a few years left the legs and you know the club championship didn't particularly go well in terms of the final but you know we got to a senior county final which was 
you know, something that we probably didn't expect given the short window that we had. And I don't think anybody realised that we would play a match, never mind get to a county final. So uh, we were content enough despite the poor performance in the final. Yeah, no, 30 is young. I'm, it's very young. <laughs> I'm 30 myself, so I'd like to keep saying that is young. You should never, you should never ask a woman her age, Valerie. <laughs> I'm the same age yourself, Noel, but it is young. And there was a good run the club this year. But the last time I was talking to you, I'm nearly sure you were Jew, the little fella. I don't even know that you have him. Yeah, we did. Uh, so we have a little boy, Carl. Yeah, he's uh, he's great crack. He's he's a real uh, he's a real boy going around like running and pulling and dragging things. And you know, it was funny because we were saying when we bought our house three years ago, and it was you know it was a new build, and we didn't take the time you know to make it baby proof, and so everything is kind of cream and white and you know shiny. But like when the child comes along, the shine soon <laughs> soon starts to kind of. Uh, disappear and things change and colours change as well. Look, it's it's great crack. Uh, he's flying around and he's really starting to get a personality the last couple of months. So uh, we were hands full with him, but he's good. Good, you've taken to dad life well, so by the sounds of it. But also, you mentioned earlier on you're getting on great at work. And how's things with taking lecturers online and not being able to meet the students? Ah, uh, yeah, like, do you know what? It's probably, do you know what? It's the most difficult thing about the job at the minute. It's, you know, there's nothing better than standing in front of the class and getting the engagement, but physically seeing them develop and start thinking different ways and, you know, really take on some content and really critically evaluate themselves and get their own opinions. And that's, I suppose, the key. And it's very hard to, like, you know, yourself, even what we're doing now, like, generally we'll be in, you know, some room having a good crack and having a chat and having a coffee. But, like, now it's, you know, very much, you know, on what's the other side of the screen. But, look, you have to just take it and run with it. But, yeah, work is busy. Uh, I've a good bit of research on it at the minute. I've a couple of three, three PhD students and a research master student who just submitted our thesis. And then I have 400 students that I started with two weeks ago. Yeah, so, yeah, things are busy. And, you know, obviously then you have hours to teach as well. Like So, yeah, it's, it's busy, but it's good busy. Good, and I know we are here for the Electric Ireland launch of the 2020 Minor Championship, and you have been announced as a judge on the panel. I mean, that's where you started off your, your probably inter-county career as well, Noel, and it's important to, like, I suppose, channel and, uh, like, be supportive of that age group. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny because um, you only kind of start to think about things when you know, the conversation comes up. So when you talk about the minor championship, like I was fortunate enough, like I was called onto the team when I was 15. And so like I played three years minor and I can remember like, I can remember quite well getting called up and asked to go play a trial match and Peter Queen was over us. And I was actually playing midfield in the trial match. So I, I can remember like quite a lot of, let's say, that particular memory. Now, if you can ask me like things that have happened in matches like in the last even three or four years, I probably couldn't tell you, but it was that distinct memory of being able to play and getting the, I suppose, opportunity to play. But also the fact that like when I was 15, like you were playing a lot of other sports and like things like gay football and soccer. But then like, you know, when you're on a, you know, a fairly well developed plan on, on what training looks like in a schedule that's, you know, thought out very well you know, those things start to take a bit of a backseat. So, like, I gave up playing football at 15, not in a bad way, but just because I wanted to solely focus on playing it. Uh, and the same with soccer. So, like, you know, it goes to show the significance of actually playing the minor championship is, like, you're all in, which is, you know, fundamental to the, you know, this campaign going forward as well. As a judge, like, what is your role? Like, what, will you be looking out for things? I know that some of the monster games are being live-streamed, so you'll be able to keep an eye on them. Yeah, I don't know what I'd be like. Uh, I'm going to be inspired by. Uh, is it like? Uh, am I going to be like the mean judge, or am I going to be <laughs> more friendly? Uh, I haven't really thought about the personality that I'm going to take on. Uh, no, look, what you're, what you're looking for is, you know, I suppose the fundamentals of you know any type of sport is just you know things like commitment, things like being able to use the ball well, even you know small things. Of, if things are going against the team, being able to dig out a couple of frees or, you know, putting their shoulder to the wheel when things aren't going to plan. And if that's what you're looking for, you're looking for lads that are going to, you know, make an impact in the next maybe three, four, five years time to a, an inter-county team at a senior level and, and you're looking for the traits and their ability in that regard too, obviously. But like, you know, it's, it's all on the day and uh, it's all about performing on the day and, you know, that's the... That's the, I suppose, the, the tough thing about playing at the level of minor as well, like that you can be playing quite well the whole way up and all of a sudden on the day you might perform to the best of your ability. 
but look, they are things that you develop and learn over, over a longer period of time. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the jump to senior because I think it can be quite challenging. Maybe something as simple as confidence, like maybe something the minor could build your confidence as a player. Absolutely. And you know what? It's the first, as you said in the open, it's the first real you know, taste and opportunity for you to get a kind of a sense of what it's going to be like. Now you'll never really get a full sense of what senior is going to be like. But it certainly prepares you um, for things like, you know, strength conditioning, you know, your basics of things like nutrition, you know, the skill levels that are required, the pace, all those different things that are, you know, notched up or kind of geared to when it comes to playing at that level. And listen, it's a learning curve. It's going to take some time for, for some lads to bet in. Other lads might have the opportunity to play like the previous year. So it's all about like taking the opportunity and taking the experience and learning from it. And I think that's the most important thing and the, the fundamental thing from this is to learn you know learn from your we'll say your performances or learn like from your bad performances and your good performances and how you can develop and go forward because essentially what you're trying to do as a player and even as someone that's 30 now like you're always trying to like develop your own game so what went well what didn't go so well and maybe work on that in the next training session but it must be nice for you to be still involved and all, to be honest. You know, it's probably been a tough year to be able to sit one out when you're probably should be looking forward to heading off to an inter-county game. But it must be nice to be still involved. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? It's it's funny. Uh, and I, I, I didn't really think about it too much. But like, you know, um, when you're playing, you know, week in, week out, and you're training like, you know, six, seven days a week, like the last thing you actually want to do is sit down and watch matches. I know that sounds dreadful. Like I was actually more concerned about watching like what was going on in like you know Discovery Channel and how much goal like you know Harris Nagel was getting out and like you know goal lines and so on and so forth. Like that was at the time, and you're looking at like sharp documentaries and they're kind of saying like this is not really adding much value, but it's something that I don't really have to concentrate a whole lot on. Whereas like over the last couple of months, like I've been watching like the majority of like getting football matches up and down the country. I've been watching a lot of club hurling um, matches, and you're kind of saying well. Like, you know, this is actually interesting and you're kind of watching fellas say, geez, I remember watching him like two or three years ago when he's after developing so much. So it certainly gives you a bit of appetite when you're not actually in it as much. So I remember like seeing Patrick Horgan mention something similar like that when he's away from Ireland, he doesn't actually want to talk or, or think about it. So I suppose that's probably something where the country players, uh, that's what they experience over a period of time as well. Like you need to kind of a, a get out clause and mine was discovery for quite a long time. It's not to say that I don't still watch discovery, but uh, I probably tune into a few more matches than I generally would have. And before I let you go, we are in Cork's Red FM at the moment and I can't let you go at asking about the senior championship and Cork's first game out is to Watford and it's on Halloween night. I don't know if that's a bad omen for Cork or Watford now, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's funny. There's uh, one of the senior managers in here in WIT is actually from Cork, uh, Neil O'Sullivan, and he uh, he actually texted me yesterday. So I generally don't come in and we'll say the main wall for City Road. I come in kind of an outskirt way to come in, and he kind of texted me yesterday. You should go out the main road because there's a picture like of Patrick Horgan uh, <laughs> outside here for Sky, and it's literally just down. And I was kind of saying it's, it's on the route to Welsh Park or wherever. So. If there was any motivation, he said, for Waterford to win, here it is looking at Patrick Horgan most days to go to training. And I just kind of laughed and I went down yesterday and here it was right in front of me. But uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> a side note, uh, that was a side note which kind of developed a lot more than what I expected. But yeah, it should be a good game. Uh, it has been, you know, I suppose last year was kind of a difficult one in the sense that Waterford didn't have much to play for. And, um, you know, it was a completely different 15 that Pork put out. And so, yeah, you couldn't really judge too much of that. Uh, you know, it's interesting because both teams have a hell of a lot of experience. You look at the likes of even the likes of Steve McDonald in the county final, he was very, very impressive. Very and nice. he's been kind of riddled with injuries the last like 12 to 18 months. So it's good to see someone like him come back. But you have the likes of, you know, Nash, you have all these guys that have you know, like 10 plus years of experience. And you have obviously likes of Shane's Harnady, Conor Han, you have all these fellas. And then you have like a mixture of like, you know, Coleman and Fitzgibbon that have probably not as much experience but a lot of energy. So you have a nice gap, we have a nice kind of mixture in, in Cork, but you have a very similar mixture in Warford in the sense that you have, you know, the likes of obviously Sock on goal, you have the likes of Shane Foyle, Kevin Moore, Jimmy Barron, you know, you even have a younger mixture too with the likes of Jack Pendergast, Caelan Lyons coming in. So, and then you obviously have the new uh, Desi Hutchinson coming in who kind of shot the lights out for the Warford Championship. So that'll be an interesting dynamic as well. So it should be evenly matched from watching like We'll say both and been involved in the Wolf Championship and watching the Car Championship. You know, both teams have players that are really excel. So I don't think there'll be much in it. Uh, I think that Warford have a good shout. I think that they've been training quite well. 
Um, even looking at, we'll say, the previous league form, and I know like in Welsh Park, Wofford we kind of left in a couple of goals early on, but they recovered quite well, and they were showing a lot of good uh, character, even against Limerick and against Tipperary. So I think it'll be, you know, very, very close. You know, being a Wofford person, you're always going to say like Wofford are going to win by maybe a pint, but uh, it could go either way. I feel like I'm sitting really on the fence here. Yeah, well, the Cork listeners won't be too impressed with that, but I'm sure they let you away with it, Noel, because you're from yeah, Cork. I'm still in, like, the 051, like, the air code here, so I feel a bit comfortable that I'm not taking part with the minute. Well, look, it's going to be an open championship. We're really looking forward. But you did mention there's players there, like yourself, that have maybe played 10 or 11 years, and, you know, they've never been able to reach the steps of the Hogan. That must be very frustrating for players, especially like the likes of Patrick Horgan. Players are only, you know, you've probably battled with him down through the years, and as players that might never ever pick up a medal for the work that you've done. Yeah, it's, it's funny, you know, when you think about, you know, these things, obviously, when you're not involved, like, you know, and without a shadow of a doubt, Patrick Horgan has probably been one of the best players Cork have ever produced. Mm-hmm. And, like, it would be an absolute, like, shame and pity if he didn't get there. But there's been so many others that have been in this sort of situation. Like, if you come back here to Watford, you have the likes of Kelly, Milan, Dan, you know, Tony, Ken, you got a whole way through teams that likes to change Pendergast. You know, just so many fellas that just weren't, you know, didn't get there on the day and unfortunately never got the Ireland medal. But, you know, like, whilst that's important and the material, I think, of winning the Ireland is hugely important. The amount of other aspects of their life which have developed as a result of it, like, will hugely away, I think, you know, the benefit of actually winning the Ireland. Now, now, that's not me. Someone probably saying, oh, he's only saying that because he hasn't won the Ireland. But I don't mean that. Like, I mean in the sense that, like, the friends they've made, the skills they've developed, the you know the friendships, the connections, all these different things that make the GA so important and indeed so different. And I think that it's something that we probably don't talk about as much because everybody talks of winning, particularly when you're at like you know senior and county level. It's always about winning. But right. you know if you take a step back and you look at the micro things of you know your family, your friends, you know all those things that have been hugely impacted and influenced by it. You know uh, I think that most people would be satisfied uh, just to play. Yeah, no, it's a lovely way to look at it. And this is the last question now, the yellow slitters. How do you feel? Me, myself, I'm just kind of allergic to the idea, but I just feel like, will you just leave it the way it is? Why do you have to change things when there's nothing wrong? How do you feel? Here I was thinking that you were the one that introduced the idea. <laughs> I think I saw you on the CCCCC. Uh, no, I, um, I, I don't. I, look, I'll be very blunt about this. I think it's quite a silly idea now I know Joe Cannon was in a similar situation where he questioned the, there's a he questioned there's Anna my cleaner coming in questioned my um, uh, questioned I suppose the overall concept and idea but uh, I don't really know I don't think it's a good idea like we haven't ever played with him and so like that you know you can't really throw people into the championship and they're expecting them to play like I know the reason for it is that they probably think they're like a different time i.e. like that it could be in the nights and you know ch- changeable weather and so on and so forth but like teams haven't been playing with these slitters and so it's like it's like a, a completely different dynamic of the game so like you know I, I just think it's a very silly idea I think just leave it as is um, you know it's not as if you're going to Fenway and playing in like you know the Fenway Cup that's the only time I think it's ever been used and the slitters were completely different there so uh, yeah, I think it's a poor decision. I'm going to be controversial on that one and say it. So. No, it's great. It's great to be controversial. People love it. But uh, Noel, it was lovely chatting to you and having catch up. I'm sure I'll keep in touch with you throughout the minor championships. See her getting on. See if you took the Simon Cowell route down as a judge. So, and be easy on them. They're only young. <laughs> we were all there at one stage. Exactly. Thanks, Emil. Noel. Yes, it's great to see you, buddy. Thanks, Emil. Noel Connor is chatting to me during the week at the launch and of course tipping Waterford to win by point because he said they're going to be motivated by a massive billboard of Patrick Horgan outside Walsh Park in Waterford. I mean, what are the odds? Imagine heading to training as a Waterford hurler and there's a massive picture of Patrick Horgan outside. It's absolutely great. Speaking of Cork, Keane Kylie caught up with the media after their first league game back today. 5.19 to 16 points. Let's take a listen to Keane. He's chatting to all the media at Parky Cueve. Talk to him. I suppose it's um, it's been a weird, weird few months. Obviously, favouring like so it's fantastic that we are um, given the opportunity to come out and actually play the game. Um, I suppose it's fantastic. We we came out to win, uh, and that's what we did. So we're very, very happy. Yeah, the actual day itself, then you you do it at home. You did. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we followed protocols, much, or we followed protocol completely, really. So we all at home, travelled by ourselves all the way out here, and um, 
everything we possibly could do. As you see, everyone's wearing masks around here, keeping their distance from each other. So doing absolutely everything we can to protect ourselves. And playing in front of an empty, an empty stadium then, how is that like? It's weird, yeah. Even just after, I suppose, even at the start of the game when the ball's thrown up, you're used to hearing a few cheers and stuff like that. So um, weird, but I mean, look, we can't complain. Like We have the privilege of coming out here and actually playing during these mad times. So whether it's full of people or there's no one here, we're just delighted to be actually out here and playing in fantastic facilities. And happy with the display, I suppose, on the result? Yeah, I mean, we came, when we came out to win, I suppose that was our aim, to perform and to, the, uh, to win. Um, and we did that in the end so we got the win that's the most important thing and we're looking forward now to the next few weeks and hopefully we can keep training and keep playing Cian, how important is it for this squad to you know get up on their own you know six wins for six yeah I mean I suppose we're just looking to perform to the best of our ability every single game that's what we set out to do um, and I think even with the big huge break we had there the big time off I think we um, came together well in the, the week and week and a bit that we had and put a performance out there today which was fantastic to get so very very important for our group that we're coming together well like that now. and I suppose at the start of this year way back when you know first job was to get over Division 3 it took 9 months or 10 months or whatever, but it's done yeah, it's, it's done exactly, yeah. So that was our goal, is just to get out of Division 3 if we could, do anything we had to to get out of Division 3. And uh, thankfully, we are we are here. Thankfully, the last two games went ahead and are, are going ahead in the league. Hopefully, we get the final one now. And um, gladly, you know, we've, we've gotten out of Division 3 like we want to do. And I suppose even though you have a game next week, there's, there's, there's more than one eye on the Kerry game if, if that goes ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's it, exactly it. But I suppose we're taking it game by game. Um, that's all we can do is look we concentrate uh, on each session we don't know what's going to happen we don't know will football go ahead will it not so we're just taking it session by session uh, preparing the best we can in every single session we have in terms of the competition it's fairly, it's fairly stiff isn't it? it is I suppose it's it's yeah on the team yeah yeah we have so many lads coming back after fantastic club championships uh, we have so many lads who are absolutely raring to go fantastic physical condition and um, so it's fantastic that we have so many players coming back and ready to turn into it. Does that make training even more more intense? Uh, it does, yeah. yeah, Exactly it. I mean, look, I think players went back to their clubs and they got loads of game time, they got loads of sessions, so there's no complaints there. And everyone's back in now again with Cork. Can't uh, just and playing their best every single time they come down to training. So there's huge competition for places. But that's what you want. You want competitive atmosphere within the team to keep driving each other on. So there's no complaints there. Was it hard to prepare, I suppose, with a doubt in your mind that the truck could be pulled at any, any moment? It, look, it could get pulled at every moment, but if we think that way, then we wouldn't be preparing properly. So we're just taking it session by session, doing everything we can every single time we could out onto the pitch. Um, and, I mean, look, the decision about what happens with the competition isn't in our hands. All we can control is training, preparing to the best of our ability. So we're going to start or keep doing that. Um, and that's what our eye and our focus is at the moment, is just preparing to the best that we can. That was Keen Kylie chatting to the media this evening after their 5-19 to 16-point victory, Cork's victory over Loud. Loud, a long journey home with two buses, but that is it for me tonight on the Big Red Bench. Um, I'll be back next Saturday from 6pm. Rory will be back tomorrow night. He'll have plenty more reaction from today's game. Ronan McCarthy, he's going to be having a chat with him. He'll have reaction from the Cork City game. But that is it for me. Stevie G is on the way next and he's going to be banging out the tunes tonight. Chat later. Thanks for listening. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Corks Red FM.